friends and uh, move in close. If you need to get up and get a cup of coffee, get a coat, keep warm, please feel free. I, I am optimistic. I noticed the daffodils here today from the messengers, and to me that's a sign of spring. I can't tell you when, but it is coming. Uh, just a few brief announcements. The pew pads are there for our members and guests and friends. If you have a message you want to write or a note, or wishing a call or a contact, please do that. Sign the pew pad. And the Stephen Minister today is Alice O'Dwyer. For those who would like to talk with the Stephen Minister of personal concerns or support, uh, please contact Alice or any other Stephen Minister and welcome. Uh, we will have hot coffee in the fellowship hall afterwards. Uh, so look forward to that. I hope that thought will warm you in your minds until we get there. We do have our annual meeting following this service, which I think, in light of the temperature, will probably be fairly prompt. So I encourage you to stay. We do have two announcements. Ron Pollock, if you come forward, and then Jeanette Henderson. Morning. Several weeks ago, I asked you to pray for son Adam as he was applying for his renewal papers to Kenya and, and the, the immigrations there were not granting them. Well, I, I want to tell you that, that uh, your prayers have been answered. And with three trips to Nairobi and meeting with the immigration officers there and a letter of recommendation from Child Services, he has been granted um, immigration papers to remain for and work there for another three years. So I so, uh, just uh, thank you for your, your prayers and support on that, and, and to please continue to pray and support for him as he continues to work with the kids there. Thanks. Good morning. Underneath our jackets... Many of us are wearing our blue shirts this morning. This was Go Blue Day. I see, I see one over there and a couple over here. Oh, one back there. The reason we're wearing our PDA shirts is to remind us about the wonderful work that Presbyterian Disaster Assistance does. On this first Sunday of Lent throughout the Presbyterian Church, this is Go Blue Day. PDA is thankful for the continued generosity of Presbyterians. It's important that we show our love for our neighbours in need. We pray that you will continue to share your gifts of your time, treasure and talents as a tangible sign of God's love for families whose lives have been disrupted by disaster. During Lent, we're asked to give our treasures to one great hour of sharing, of which one-third of the money goes to PDA. Through your gifts to One Great Hour of Sharing, PDA has been able to achieve the following in the past year. Internationally, your gifts enabled response to major disasters and civil conflicts in 15 countries. And through support of the Global, Global Rapid Response Fund, enabled a low-level response to an additional 25 countries. For example... Your gifts supported assistance for Christians and other religious minorities seeking refuge from persecution in Iraq. And we sent aid for Liberia and Sierra Leone, where the Ebola crisis caused a severe medical emergency and had a widespread impact on agricultural livelihoods. Nationally, 
Your gifts supported the response in 24 states to storms, floods, and other disasters, as well as long-term recovery efforts. For example, your gifts supported work in the Mission Presbytery in Texas, where a compassionate response to the refugees and border crisis is ongoing. Ten of us from this congregation spent the first week of January in Mission, Texas, where 98% of the population are Spanish-speaking. Sue Deasy and I worked at that very refuge center, refugee center, sorry, while the guys built a home for a local family. What an eye-opener for two non-Spanish-speaking women from upstate New York. Ask us about our experience after the service. Last year, more than 7,100 volunteers served through 38 volunteer hosting sites in 11 states, donating more than 313,000 hours of labor for disaster recovery. The monetary equivalent of this labor is valued at over $7 million. But more importantly, our gifts of service are a witness of Christ's love, and the gifts we volunteers receive in return cannot be measured. PDA is thankful for the many ways Presbyterians continue to bear the hope of Christ to those recovering from disasters, and today we celebrate the involvement of so many servants in the Presbyterian Disaster Ministry. Go Blue! Thank you, Jeanette. Uh, Bruce, if you would open our worship with music, please. Thank you very much.
Please join me in our responsive call to worship. From water to wilderness. On stone and in hearts. From the ancestor of nations to the sun lifted up. We follow Jesus on the Lenten path. Let us warmly worship God. pray with me, friends. Loving God, you have made covenant with us and with every living creature. We give thanks for the sign of the rainbow, for it reminds you and us of your promise that the flood of destruction will not be the last word. We thank you, too, for the waters of baptism, the sign that we are raised as children of the covenant through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we thank you for the sign of the dove, the promise of your Holy Spirit, hovering over the dawn of creation, 
descending upon your beloved Son. Your Spirit also hovers over and descends upon us. With the whole creation, we give you all glory and honor. In your triune name we pray. Amen. God's bow has been hung in the clouds, a unilateral disarmament in spite of our sin. God remains faithful to the covenant of steadfast love, even when we are unfaithful. Without fear, then, we confess our sins. God of mercy, we begin this Lenten season confession. We do not live according to your ways, but according to our own. We condone violence, participate in systems of injustice, and use power to our own advantage at the expense of others. Forgive us, we pray, when we are tempted to follow paths other than those you set before us. Teach us your commandments. Help us to turn from evil in its many guises and turn us toward your kingdom drawing near. In covenantal love, remember us, we pray, and be for us once more and always an ark of safety and new life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. family were brought safely through the flood onto dry ground, so in baptismal waters we are brought from death into new life in, in Christ. Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, forgives us and reconciles us and all things in heaven and on earth. Thanks be to God for this good news. You may be seated. Jeanette Henderson did a marvelous job telling us about Presbyterian disaster assistance, but for those of you who have not had a chance to display your blue this morning, this is your Superman moment. Ready? One, two, three. Blue out! We have a flood story, friends, and PDA was there. God was there. God tells us in Genesis 9 that no matter what happens, God will be there and makes this covenant with us. I invite you to hear God's word to you. Then God said to Noah to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all the flesh that is here on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite children to join me up here on the stairs in the chancel. This would be good. I brought some lambs today. This one's a finger puppet. This one's really small. You don't see too many finger puppets made of lambs, but this is one. And um, this, this lamb heard that there was no heat in the church today, so it wore his hat, I think. Um, this one was made by a woman in the church a long time ago, and I thought she did a great job in making this lamb. And then this one is completely a puppet. If you put your hand inside, you can almost make him look like a real lamb. He's pretty neat. Now, do you know why I brought the lambs today? I didn't think you would know. We have a lot of things in times, people's lives, and sometimes in the church, use symbols to help us know what time of year it is. And we have friends this week who are Chinese, and they celebrate the Chinese New Year, and this is the year of the lamb or the year of the goat. So I thought that would remind us that it is the year of the lamb and goat. So much so that I also brought um, some fortune cookies. And the fortune cookies, I don't think these are gluten-free ones, but they're some fortune cookies, which you can all take if you want to a little later. I'll leave them up here. Fortune cookies. Now, we have other symbols here today that tell us about what season it is. Like, I thought... The daffodils. We don't very often have daffodils like this. Actually, the daffodils are here as a reminder for friends that are not Chinese, but whose home was Wales, which is a part of England. And the Welsh people, next Sunday, all celebrate St. David's Day. And they give all of their friends that they love on St. David's Day daffodils. Now, in Wales, they have this theory that David walked around, and wherever he walked, daffodils grew. But when a daffodil first comes out of the ground, and before you see its bloom, it looks exactly like an onion. And so, if people are not behaving well, they give them onions. And people that they love, they give daffodils. So, these are in honor of reminding us of the Welsh in St. David's Day, and we're going to sing a hymn at the end of worship about that. Then some of us wore blue, right? Uh, I have my blue shirt over here. I, I, did, I did bring one, and this is reminding us about Presbyterian disaster assistance, and a lot of people from this congregation have done mission work with Presbyterian disaster assistance, and this is a day when we remember that, and everybody wears blue. And people want to know, why did the blue color become so associated with Presbyterians? Well, I don't really know, but I have a theory. This 
is a Scottish tartan piece of cloth, and you see it's black and blue. And different families wore different color tartans. This particular tartan is known as the clergy tartan. And Presbyterian pastors all over Scotland wear stoles like this that are blue, and if they don't wear stoles, they wear ties made of this tartan. Very few of them have trousers made of this tartan. That would look really strange. But it is the blue color, and we've often said Presbyterians have a lot of blue. Well, there's another color in here in the chancel today that's a seasoned color for the church, and it's this one. This is purple. Do you see this is purple? And this is purple up here? Yeah. And Carrie's got some purple on. This is purple over here. And the purple lets us know that it's a season in the life of the church. We have seasons of winter and summer and fall. But the church has some seasons too. And this is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And Lent is the word that means longer, lengthen. You know what's getting longer? The days, right. The days are getting longer. And so Lent tells us the days are getting longer, and it's the six weeks prior to Easter we have Lent. And the color that lets us know we're now in Lent is purple. I just thought having all of those symbols would be good. And they help us know where we are in God's world. Let's pray about this. Lord God, we give you thanks for Chinese people who are celebrating the new year. And we give you thanks for the Welsh who are planning to celebrate St. David's Day. And we give you thanks for all those who do mission work with Presbyterian Disaster Assistance. And we give you thanks for this season of Lent to help us prepare for the glorious day of Easter. Help us, O God, to see the signs of your work and the colors of your world that continue to remind us of your glory and your goodness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope it's warmer. I know that some of the Sunday school classrooms are warmer. Um, I don't know how many of these are, but anyone who wants a, a fortune cookie can. I don't know what the fortunes are in there. I think there's a couple more. get one too? Okay.
Our reading from 1 Peter 3 echoes some of those themes that you heard in our Old Testament lesson of baptism and of the reference to Noah. I invite you to hear God's word to you. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we have a collect that we can share together. Our Lord, you were sent to a place wild and vast to ponder your mission, to pray and to fast. Then hungry and weary, you face night and day the subtle temptations to turn from God's way. Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit of the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it's been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not push the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reflection for us to share on this text. How could it be wrong to want bread on the shelf? To seek in one's serving, to first serve oneself. But by God's own word, you remained ever sure. It's only in God that our lives are secure. How could it be wrong to step out and to dare, to prove with great drama the depths of God's care? But you knew God's word, true since all time began. It's wrong to expect God to work by our plan. How could it be wrong to just once bow the knee, to shake hands with sin, to achieve victory? Yet you made it clear that no matter the cost, 
Your path was obedience. Your way was the cross. choir was actually singing for us Psalm 51, in case you didn't know that. and It's the real serious psalm for the season of Lent. We have a number of things that are happening here today at First Presbyterian Church. Um, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, there's going to be a concert here. There'll be several hundred students from the University of Rochester. A choral extravaganza is going to be absolutely fabulous. And when the gospel choir sings, this place will be warm and rocking, guaranteed. If you're looking for something to do on a cold winter day, this would be the great place to be. We also have a, a, an annual meeting. It will not be a long one. We have a couple of reports to receive. And then um, Carrie and I, um, as an, part of our annual meeting, have to have our terms of call um, affirmed. 
and um, we'll remember those who have died during the course of the year. And, and so that will happen immediately after worship. Um, and we'll just remain here, and, and then um, if, if you really need to warm up, you can try to fellowship hall. They've had the same coldness there that we have here, and we've moved the children to the warmest parts of our building. The furnace is working now, and I feel much warmer now than it was at the early service. This is a good technique, though, for stewardship. We have to remember to do this. Tell the congregation we, we haven't given enough, and maybe that's why the, the, the heat was up. It had nothing to do with that. You'll also take a note in the bulletin that the um, final hymn is a, kind of a Welsh tune, and um, the last stanza gets to be sung entirely by the men. We're just going to give you a heads up that the last stanza is an all-male thing, which is good. In an effort to feel warmer, I found myself reading through a list of camping tips by Bruce Cochran that were printed in an older issue of Backpacker magazine. When you go to the dentist office, as I did this week, you read all of the interesting things that you find there. And I will not read his entire list, but there are a couple of tips that maybe you want to know about. When using a public campground, a tuba placed on your picnic table tends to keep the campsites on either side of yours vacant which is kind of interesting. Uh, A hot rock placed in your sleeping bag will keep your feet warm. A hot enchilada works almost as well, but the cheese tends to stick between your toes, according to... The guitars of noisy teenagers at the campsite next to yours makes excellent kindling. And I, I was reading through all of this, and, and I began to imagine our congregation sitting around a campfire on a wilderness journey. And that shouldn't be difficult to consider since we're beginning a journey of sorts during the season of Lent. Today's camp out is with our master. He's going to camp out for 40 days. Have you ever noticed how many things in the Bible seem to happen in the wilderness? I mean, Abraham was in the wilderness. Moses was in the wilderness. Joshua was in the wilderness. Isaiah was in the wilderness. And now Jesus. Time in the wilderness almost seems to be a prerequisite for the promised land of authentic faith. You don't get to the promised land without first going through the wilderness. So immediately after the baptism of Jesus, when he heard the voice of his father say, You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we get to read those words, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness. Where for 40 days... He was tempted by the devil. We only have three instances, but according to the text, there was a lot more temptation. Time spent in the wilderness is a prerequisite for a deep experience of God. God led the Hebrew people out of Egypt, where they had lived in slavery for 400 years. They headed toward the promised land. Most surmise, if you've ever taken a look at the geography, it should not have taken them more than 11 days but it took them 40 years to get there. Why did they take so long? 
Probably the women in our congregation have the answer for that. Moses was a man. He probably didn't ask for directions. (laughs) Our faith is a wilderness faith. It was born in struggle and hardship. Why was Jesus driven into the wilderness before he began his formal ministry? I really don't know. But I have concluded that it may well have been so that he could fully experience the challenge of being completely human. Authentic faith is not handed on a silver platter. Authentic faith is born in the wilderness of testing and temptation. Sometimes, as parents, we are surprised when we make life as easy as possible for our children and then discover that they do not always respond to challenge and adversity like we had hoped. One of life's most important secrets is this. There is something about struggle that toughens us and helps us to mature. Time spent in the wilderness seems to be a prerequisite for deep faith. If life comes too easily, if there are no challenges to overcome, no mountains to be scaled, then we live on the surface of life with no understanding of God's love and God's sustaining power. Not a surprise, really. It is the battle we see continually bantered in the press and by those in public leadership who try to best understand phrases like hand up rather than hand out and what they mean. Seems strange to me that, and maybe you noticed it too, it was the Spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness. He was not lured into the wilderness by the tempter. He was driven there by the Spirit. Evidently, the wilderness was exactly where he was supposed to be. That's hard to understand. Most people of faith struggle with this question. Why is there evil in the world? Why does God permit us to suffer? Our stock answer is that God does not cause our suffering, but God can use our suffering to make us more into the likeness of God's Son. I find some comfort in realizing that God did not protect Jesus from having the experience of temptation like I have it and you have it. But God was there in the wilderness with our Lord. In some ways, it seems to be so consistent with how Jesus lived. You're probably well aware that Christianity began as a persecuted minority of people. But in the fourth century, it became the official religion of the empire. From that time forward, the number of Christians in the world grew. And in time, the minority became the majority, and being Christian became much easier. Persecution was no longer a fact 
of Christian life. Discrimination became a thing of the past. Ostracism ceased to be a threat. People were no longer kicked out of families and communities because they'd become a Christian. Following Jesus was acceptable. It is at this point that Lent became a part of our church's liturgical life. It was when people were asked to imagine what it was like to be denied, to do without, to make a sacrifice in order to be faithful to Jesus. Lent became a time when you voluntarily underwent self-deprivation and examined your priorities. When we got to the church this morning, it was really cold. We huddled around coffee. It just even felt good to have on your hands. And we began to think, isn't this terrible? It's so cold. Maybe this would be a good technique for Lent. We could deprive ourselves of heat a little bit. And then as some of us talked, we realized, what a small price to pay compared to seeing 21 Christians lined up on a beach and having them beheaded because of their faith. Those early Christians recognized what every persecuted minority discovers, which is when you are pushed to the extremity of life and all the comforts and the securities of life are taken away from you, you rely more deeply upon God. When we surround ourselves with comforts and take them for granted, we're tempted to not need God. So good soul testing is to deny yourself a little comfort. See what happens. Can you all do well if you didn't eat for 40 days? I wouldn't fare that very well. Here we've got high-tech worlds with a high-octane lifestyle and high-stress jobs and high-risk states that challenge us today and the temptations we face are still surprisingly very much like these three insidious tests That the devil put to Jesus. Turning stone into bread. That is when we use our special gifts. Or our special status. To obtain benefits. Solely for ourselves. Without considering the impact. These actions would have on others. Or on God's plan for the world. That's a test we still face. Or worshipping and serving a power. Other than God. And giving final authority. And ultimate control to a force or an individual, or a group, or an ideal in life, other than God's word. Or trying ourselves to put God to the test. Did you notice that the devil in this passage knew scripture and could quote it well? Maybe we need to know our Bibles a little better. There was a woman, she just returned home from an evening church service, and she was startled to find an intruder in her home. She caught the man in the act of robbing the house, stealing things that she valued, and so she yelled at him, Stop! Acts 2.38. 
2.38. Now, it would be helpful if you knew what Acts 2.38 meant, right? That verse in the Bible says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. The burglar stopped in his tracks. The woman calmly called the police. She told them and explained what she had done. And as the officer was cuffing this man to take him, take him to the to jail, he, he asked the burglar, why did you just stand there? All the lady did was yell some Bible passage to you. He said she did not. She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. Remember, the evil tempter tends to know scripture pretty well and is not so gullible. We, on the other hand, we know about temptation. <laughs> we had a wedding here, and, and I planned to give this couple a new Bible. They didn't have one. And so the wedding happened, and then there was a little bit of confusion after the wedding, and people were taking pictures and things. And I forgot to give them the Bible, so I decided I'd better mail it to them. And so I took the Bible, I wrapped it in brown paper, and sealed it pretty well with tape, and uh, addressed it, and took it to the post office. And the postal <laughs> clerk took it from me, and he says, Is anything breakable in here? And I said, No, just the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Which is true, you know. It's been several years now since the new show 2020 repeated its version of the marshmallow test. You know about the marshmallow test for children. Uh, 2020 did it a little differently. They had these children four years of age. They were forced to deal with the ancient scourge of temptation. They were left alone in a room. Sitting in front of each of these children were three M&Ms. They were told they could each have a whole package of M&M's if they were willing to wait five minutes for a bell to ring before devouring the M&M's in front of them. The struggle of temptation was recorded through a two-way mirror. These kids twitched. They fidgeted. They Wiggled. They twisted their faces in knots. They did everything they could do to keep from grabbing the M&Ms. One of the little boys, he just sat on his hands, you know. <laughs> About half made it. The other half said, in effect, by devouring the M&Ms, they said with their actions, enough of this game. I need the candies now. We all know about the struggle. Maybe not for M&M's, but all of us have our weak spot. Even Jesus struggled. And so we shouldn't find it too surprising that this is something we all encounter. I think what amazed me was to read the story and come to the end of it in Luke. Luke's words, when the devil finished all the tempting... He left him until 
a more opportune time. That's a little unsettling, isn't it? Opportunity knocks once. Temptation leans on the doorbell and keeps coming. I wish I had some good suggestions as to what we might do. How can we handle temptation better? I think I think about maybe one idea. Leslie Duncan once told about the family dog when he was a boy. This is a very wonderful, obedient dog. Periodically, his dad would test the dog's obedience. He would put a wonderful piece of meat on the floor beside the dog. Then he would turn to the dog and give the dog the command, No. The dog, which must have had the urge to go for the meat, was placed in the most difficult situation to obey or to disobey the master's command. Duncan said, This dog was really smart. The dog never looked at the meat. The dog seemed to know that if he did, the temptation to disobey would be so great, so he steadily just looked at my dad's face. And Duncan made this spiritual application. There's a lesson here for all of us. Always look at the master's face. Dog was smarter than I am. Temptations are universal and some are deadly if we don't rein them in. But with God's help, and sometimes with the help of a really good friend. Temptation is resistible, but it will be really helpful if we don't know where else to look. We look for the master's face, and if not, maybe just to cross. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And if this is helpful advice for you, there's a prayer we can use. It is a privilege to share your work, O God. We bring these offerings as a sign that we walk with you in faith. You are a God of steadfast love and faithfulness, and we are humbled as we try to do what is right and to walk in your ways. Please receive, we ask, these offerings and use them for your own good purposes through the church and in all creation. 
We pray in Jesus Christ. Amen. Doesn't this look warm and wonderful? We have as our guests this week, Rain, Rochester Area Faith, Interfaith Hospitality Network. We have three families who will be staying with us, and yes, it will be warm enough for them to spend the night, but um, through the lovely ministry of some dedicated folks here, each of those families gets a homemade quilt while they spend their time here. So we, we thank God for that gift, and we bless it and pass it on to the families that are staying with us this week. We also give thanks and praise for the lovely flowers in the chancel that are reminding us of Jeff Messenger's birthday on Tuesday and of that wonderful saint's birthday. May there be these opportunities for us to plant flowers wherever we step as well. We give thanks and praise also that this is the one-year anniversary of Nikki Broder's ordination. She posted that on Facebook this morning. She's very thankful for this congregation and the faith that you have fostered in her and the ministry that she's able to do in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, because of much of what she received here. We also give thanks and praise. Diana Pete Mathias, how are you feeling? Can the baby, do you feel the baby kicking? Congratulations. We're delighted to have you back and joining us. And Paige, I just went through... Um, uh, State College, so I hope that uh, she's having a good week as well. We have um, opportunities to pray for friends in our congregation. Lori Hill's father, we just learned, had a stroke, so please pray for Lori Hill's father. She and David are on their way to Strong Hospital to be with him at the moment. 
Um, we also know that John Truby is recovering from his knee surgery and hopefully will be out of Unity Hospital and back home with visiting nurse services soon. And please keep in your prayers uh, with uh, Tracy Ford and her family. Jim Higby's daughter, Tracy, has been in the intensive care unit for some time, and uh, we hope that God will continue to sustain her and their family. Please join me in prayer, friends. In this Lenten season, Lord, you call us at the crossroads to examine your presence in our lives. You hold before us the example of your Son, the gifts of Scripture, and the Holy Spirit, which continue Christ's teaching. Lord, you know what's best for us. As we go from this crossroad, may it be with new courage and hope. From whatever vantage point we address you, from the grief of the newly bereaved, from the confusion of adolescence or young parenting, from the weariness of age, from the disappointment of the rejected, from the confidence of the successful. Let us have a sense of your spiritual reality that overwhelms all other realities in this day. Lift us, God. Illumine and inspire us. Make us new creatures for having been here and for having heard your word and for having sung your praises and for having had this experience together. Convert our gifts and us into living sacrifices that will make the poor rejoice, the wounded heal, and the lonely discover your love. We pray all this through the one who died on a cross and was raised to newness of life, Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
and free. Today we can share in our charge. Our Lord, in your struggle you chose to obey. God's word filled your heart and you trusted God's way. Now risen you save us from sins that destroy. Please give us your spirit, your peace, and your joy. Yes, go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us today and always. Amen. As a moderator, I will call this meeting of the Congregation of First Presbyterian Society to order and to do so with prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for this day, for the opportunity to gather in this place, which we have made our spiritual home. We ask that your spirit will be with us to guide us and direct us as we make decisions that would honor you. We ask it in the Master's name. Amen. I would ask for a motion that our clerk for this meeting be the clerk of our session. Jeanette Henderson. said, I heard a motion. Is there a second? Anybody object? Jeanette, it's unanimous. 
Next item of business is to approve the agenda. The agenda has printed for you. It's on page two. And um, the purpose of the agenda is to say this is the order in which we'll take things at this meeting. I would, the floor is open for an approval of the agenda, a motion to do so. I heard a second. Anybody object to that? We've approved an agenda. The staff reports are really printed for you. Uh, You will find them on a variety of pages. Um, You have um, one from me, one from Carrie, uh, one from our Christian Education Department, from Logos, a director of youth ministry, and even a special report from Dr. James Douthat in music. I would entertain a motion that these reports be received. Moved and seconded that these reports are received. We don't have to take action to approve them, but to receive them, and they will then be printed for our minutes of this meeting. There are a number of narrative reports that have also been printed. They are committee reports. Uh, You will find them also listed. I think they begin with a report of our deacons about page 19, and they continue on for um, until we get to about page uh, 29. Again, these are reports that need to be received, and a motion to receive them would be in order. Moved and seconded that these reports be received. Anybody object? We have received them. I think Um, we also have um, some other items that are prepared for us, including a report of endowments and the like. We're going to get to this point where probably Carrie and I will need to absent ourselves because as a part of what's going to be happening is going to be a report of... um, um, for terms of call, which need to be approved by the congregation. And um, uh, I think, Carrie, that would be in order for us to leave. I'm going to invite the chair of personnel to address that issue. And then we're going to kind of, we'll head over toward the narthex. It's not any warmer there, by the way, I understand, but we're going to head there. We do need to approve the minutes of last year's congregational meeting. Is there a motion to do that? All in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Thank you very much, Jeanette. I'm Dave Ferris, and the session and chairman of the personnel committee. And if you'll turn to pages 30 and 31 of your report, you'll see the proposed terms of call. The terms of call are to be approved by the congregation. Uh, this has been recommended through trustees, the finance of budgets. And I want to give a little background to this to understand. You'll see these numbers uh, juxtaposed, and they're quite different between the two pastors for, for reasons under tax laws and, and the terms of how a pastor is called. So I thought I'd give an explanation in general to any questions and do a separate motion for approval of each terms of call. The, uh, the pastors are actually considered, under tax laws, self-employed, and they get to allocate 
their compensation in different categories. Uh, one requirement of the Presbytery Board of Pensions is that of the upper figures you see there, the salary, housing, and so forth, they have to allocate 35% of that for the Board of Pensions. That's not discretionary. That's mandated to them. So you'll see that footnote there uh, down in line number six of benefits. The reason the salary and housing is different is they're allowed to deduct uh, as tax-free certain housing costs. You wonder why they're different. I think if I were to guess, it's because the Mitchells have a newer house with probably a bigger mortgage and expenses than the, than the Bokes do. So they allocate more there because it's advantageous to do so. So the numbers I really want you to focus on is the total compensation. But I'd like to preface that for understanding uh, of the congregation what that means because it's different than most of the experience in our uh, personal employment situations. For a pastor, this is all-inclusive. They actually pay their own Social Security. They're paying their own health benefits as part of this compensation, uh, portions of it. So when you see these numbers, they're, they're more gross numbers than most of us have experienced personally. I just want people to understand that. Uh, we did do a 3% increase for the pastors this year and for the staff as well, which is already in the budget approved by session for the others. As I said, the terms of call require their congregational approval. Uh, I would open up just to general questions, and I'm going to make a motion for each and, and take any further questions. Are there any questions or comments? Or? Okay, hearing none, I would move we approve the terms of call for Pastor Bruce Polk. Is there a second? Second? Okay. Uh, yes. I, I stand, you're right, apparently this, I see what you're saying, they, they continue the number of the lining, and I'll note that, it should be line 15, we really should just number these separately, starting with number one. Yep, I appreciate that. The numbers are correct, but the, the numbering to the left is not. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? All in favor of the approval of the terms of call for Bruce Bulk, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Hearing none, the terms of call are approved. I would make a motion we approve the terms of call or Pastor Kerry Mitchell. Is there a second? Any questions or comments? And your comment is noted. I will have that noted for the correction of that. Uh, all in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? Hearing none, both approved. Uh, could I have someone direct them back in uh, let them know? Thank you, Bill. That's all I have to report for personnel in terms of call. Thank you very much. There was also a question somebody asked me whether or not we had a quorum, and I counted noses. The answer is yes, and make you aware that there are choir members also up in the balcony. So if you're counting just the noses here, you need to count them as well. 
Um, things like endowments and the like are reported for us. Um, I think that you have a treasurer's report, and our treasurer is here. Rob Rhodes is here. And, Rob, you do an incredible job um, of overseeing what happens, and we're so grateful for that. This is a fairly extended report, and I thought somebody might have some questions about particularly the auditor's report and what you've printed for us. Thank, thank you, Bruce. Uh, I'd be happy to entertain any questions on the uh, year-end audit as well as the uh, 2015 budget. But before I do that, I'd just like to make a brief uh, comment and summarize our financial condition for you. Um, as many of you may recall, in 2012 and 2013, we experienced uh, operating deficits in excess of $60,000 each year, being that our uh, income fell short of expenses by that amount, requiring us to uh, uh, balance our budget through an endowment distribution, equal to about 10% of our expenses. Um, we have tremendously good news to report. Good news is always warming, and appropriately so today. Um, as a result of the generous and uh, uh, heartfelt response of our stewardship campaigns over the last couple of years, along with uh, significant increases in unpledged gifts and, and other contributions by the members of the, uh, of the church, uh, we were able to reduce the operating deficit in the year 2014 to less than $20,000, and the budget for 2015 has a similar um, operating deficit of less than $20,000, and that represents only about 2% of our operating expenses. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't also comment on uh, the, the generosity of members who have gone before us and who, in their uh, estate planning, made uh, provisions for contributions to the church's endowment fund. In 2014, we received the gift of $20,000. 2013, over $37,000 in endowment gifts were made. And these are the first uh, endowment gifts that we've received in many years. So we are blessed to have uh, members who have uh, remembered the church. There really are three important benefits, uh, primarily from our improved financial condition. First, it uh, precludes us from using uh, endowment funds for operating purposes but allows those funds to be uh, earmarked and, and used uh, for uh, opportunities and programs above and beyond the operating budget. And that's very beneficial for us as a church. Second benefit, uh, as mentioned by Dave earlier, in 2015 there's a provision for a 3% increase for staff uh, as well as pastors. And there's also been some enhancement to uh, health care benefits as well. And really the third benefit, and, and I believe the most important, is that because of your generosity, we are in a position to significantly increase our mission uh, contributions and as a result of programs and benefits through mission. Um, in 2015, the combined uh, endowment distributions for mission uh, through endowment gifts plus the operating budget allocation will total $85,000. That's a nearly 20% increase from the $72,000 that we provided for mission back in 2011. So your contributions and your support are 
very significant. Bottom line, to me, it's not about the money. What it really is about is the generosity of this congregation through their sharing of their God-given gifts of time and talent, as well as treasure, that allows us to fulfill our mission here at the church, really be a blessing to others in supporting um, the congregation here, locally and worldwide. And for that, I feel we are very blessed. Now, if you have any questions with respect to the uh, annual report, the annual budget, or the annual uh, operating report, it begins after page 37, and the uh, 2015 budget is on page uh, 34. So if you have any questions, I'd be happy to try to address those at this, at this time. I'm sorry? Yes, Dave. We received a, uh, the auditors, Heaven and Company, they've uh, audited our books for a number of years and gave us an unqualified opinion. Um, in layman's terms, that means that they uh, approved of all of our uh, uh, accounting practices, our reporting, our internal controls, all of which were viewed favorably and, in fact, complemented on improvements we've made over the last several years in that regard. That means we are not only accounting for our, our money properly, but we are good stewards and we safeguard those funds uh, very, very carefully. Um, and again, uh, operating deficit of about $18,000 for, uh, for 2014. Any other questions, comments? Okay. Thank Rob, you. Thank you very, very much for that report. And uh, there's an awful lot of printed material here. Uh, if you would, if you need help sleeping later, you can always read through all of this annual report. Um, I also want to point out to you that we did approve the minutes of the corporation when we approved all of the minutes of uh, annual meeting last year because they were part of that uh, set of minutes. The date of our next meeting will be in February 2016 for this kind of a meeting. I don't believe that there's other business for us to transact. Am I misguided about that? Nominating. Nominating report, anything? Making official. Bill? Mm -hmm. I'm Bill Smith, reporting on behalf of the nominating committee. Uh, we have three positions. We are completing the roster for this year. Uh, Maggie Murray is a youth deacon for two-year term. Elders, Vincent Harper, for class of 2016. And Peter Botling, class of 2017. Then that's my report. Thank you. Thank you. It needs no second because it comes from a committee. Right. Those uh, names are placed in nomination. Uh, the floor is now open for any others. Seeing none, I would ask for a motion that these be declared unanimously elected. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. It's done. Thank you very much, Bill. Seeing that there's no other business, I will take you to page 37 in this report. And there you will find listed the names of 
people who have entered into the church triumphant. That's always a challenging thing to look at. And whenever I look at a report like this, uh, I've got great memories of people that we've loved and lost. I would entertain a a motion for adjournment. Is there a second? Second. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Let's close with prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for all these whom we have loved who now live eternally with you. We thank you for Jesus and the example that he has given to us of his living and his life. We pray that your word will be planted deeply and powerfully within us to strengthen us, that we might be able to more fully realize the purpose and blessings of the testings we face and the opportunities we have to serve you as a congregation. We do pray for our church, that we might be attuned to your voice, that we might be spiritually nourished by your word and led by your spirit, as we seek to lead the people in this community to be faithful servants. Bless us, Lord, that we might be a blessing to others. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I declare that this meeting is now adjourned.